Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, and I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are discussing The Love Witch from 2016, directed and written by Anna Biller, starring Samantha Robinson, Laura Waddell, Jeffrey Vincent, and Gian Keyes. And I picked this because I know I always pick the older movies, and this is a 2016, but it is very much done in the style of older movies. Did you know that going into it, buddy? You know, I, I watched a, a trailer before it, and I, I wanted to first like be the first one to welcome you to the 21st century, because I, <laughs> I think before this film, uh, the first one, the, the, the most recent one you had picked might have been like Henry in like the last six months, right? Which is like 1989 or something. <laughs> really? Wait, I picked Pulse. Uh, oh, yeah, right. Pulse, right. Early 2000s, right? Yeah. Uh, true, true. Okay. Well, yeah. Welcome me to this decade. <laughs> yeah, welcome to this decade. But yeah, once I saw a, a preview of it, I, th- I thought, oh, this makes so much sense that Brian would pick this one. Because it, it, does, <laughs> it, it does look like a very old film. Yeah. And uh, you're coming hot into this one because you just finished watching this like 10 minutes ago, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm hot off the press. Uh, where, where, where did you hear about this one from? It was on a lot of top 10 lists of 2016. Wow. Okay. That's so weird. Yeah. I, I'd never heard of this movie before. Um, and, and when you first like suggested it, I, I thought it was like a play on the witch that was like 2015 or something. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, uh, I was, I was always surprised about this one. Yeah. It's listed as number 30 on Rotten Tomatoes list of the top 100 horror movies. Wow, that's amazing. Um, yeah, and and uh, it was it's pretty cool. It was, it's on Amazon Prime for free. That was that was a nice plus, as always. Oh, was it nice? Yeah. Why did you did you end up running it from your local rental place? Yeah, I went and got it from my little store. Nice. And I'm glad I did because I I actually checked out a good chunk of the extra features and commentary this time. <laughs> they still put those on DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> they sure do. Oh, nice. It's actually kind of a shame that you can't access those when you watch it online. Yeah, that's a really good point. We're definitely missing out on all of that extra content. Yeah. Uh, I didn't make it all the way through the commentary because I didn't have a total of four hours. Yeah, I know. This is a long one. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, oh, hey, you, you go into that video store quite a bit. Did you guys, like, do you ever have conversations with those people behind the counter? Or do they know who you are? Or what's what's you the know, relationship I can't, like there? I can't really tell. (laughs) They don't really talk much to me, and I don't know if it's just because they don't talk much or, or what. Yeah, it's probably the nerd in them recognizing the noob in us. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like a little out of place going into there because they're just like these nerds who are super into movies and film and comic books and whatever, and I'm like. Walking in there like with a stroller at the time. Yeah, I'd like to rent Friday the Thirteenth Part One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I sometimes I feel like I might be frowned upon, but I think in reality they just don't really care. They're just going about their day. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Uh, they probably got their own crews that they talk to. Um, yeah. So you uh, you seem to really like these kind of old style of, of movies and, and that shooting style. Is, is there something that draws you to these movies? Yeah, and I don't really know why. Like, there is something about the style of old movies that really appeals to me, and I'm not totally sure 
what it is. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a bit more, it's less realistic, like less photorealism kind of. It's like more stylized. Yeah, right. And I like stylized movies. Like the whole reason I like horror movies is it's just such an imaginary thing. Like you're totally leaving your day to day. Yeah. And and it like harkens back to when I was a kid and just like used my imagination constantly. Mm-hmm. And something like this that's hyper-stylized to me makes it even more far from just daily life. Like some horror movies are like so realistic and gritty that it, it, I don't know, it doesn't take me to that far away imaginary place. This fantasy land that you got, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, when you watch a movie, you really want to feel like you're removed or going uh, to specialize. You, you don't want it to feel like relatable or it re- represent like uh, real life at all. I mean, I definitely like that too. And I always love the movies. Well, I'm always interested in seeing the movies you pick too because like, I like that too, but this mm-hmm. just certain scratches a certain itch for me. Yeah, yeah, sure. The witch itch. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool to see a movie about a witch. I don't feel like that's done enough. Yeah, there aren't a ton of witch movies. There are or there aren't? There, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's definitely a witch's section at the video store oh, that is wow. populated, but yeah. it's not really a huge genre. Mm. Okay. I can't think of a bunch off the top of my head. Yeah, I can think of the Wizard of Oz and then the witch. <laughs> there it is. Boy Witch. Um, before we get too off the rails, I should give a quick summary. So this movie is basically about a witch who is recklessly searching for love with the help of spells and magic and other witchy type stuff. So yeah, witches subgenre. It, it's labeled in Wikipedia as a horror comedy. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? That, that really threw me off because uh, for most of the movie, I was trying to find the comedy in it, and and I, and I was struggling, and I can't tell if like maybe the way it was shot, like it was just very aware and uh, trying to be like poking fun at a, a genre or something. But the comedy wasn't very clear, unless it was just like over my head. What, what was your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think there were subtle touches of comedy, but I'm not sure that you could call it a horror comedy. It, it's debatable. Yeah. In the commentary, Anna Biller said she didn't intend it to be oh. a comedy. <laughs> I wonder who, who that's that's got to be sad if you're like a director, or like a writer, and you make a movie, and someone else spills it as comedy. Um, that can't like be too flattering. It sounded like she was cool with it and knew that like people would think it was funny. Okay, but it was just that she was coming at it of a different angle, like as if she was in the '60s and sincerely making a movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what it felt like. I, I yeah. thought more so than comedy, this one hit more on like uh, gender uh, empowerment and identity, like almost uh, like movies. Um, I think other ones that we've seen, like Ginger Snaps and Teeth, almost on on the same line of that, of uh, like a really strong like kind of feminist uh, tone in these movies. Yeah, for sure, and that was definitely a big part of her motivation for this. Yeah. It's it's cool to see that like translating into the horror movie uh, arena. That's just really cool that they can use like a horror backdrop to like bring about these themes uh, of identity and you know this society uh, in that kind. Of, I think that's just a really cool way to use a horror film. Yeah, for sure. And 
I just think movies in general, I think even Hollywood is kind of learning that they need to put more women in movies and make more women-centric movies. Yeah. And that they actually do really well. Right, yeah. When they put them out there. Yeah, people people are tired of like the same old uh, formula, formulaic uh, horror film and characters out there. They want to see these different stories and nar- narratives. Yeah. Totally. Uh, I can't remember if I've mentioned this in another podcast, so forgive me if I did. But there's a podcast called The Bechtel Cast mm-hmm. where the hosts test each movie. They put this movie, every movie, through like the Bechtel test. And the Bechtel test is like a test to see how, not how feminist a movie is, but how like fair it is to mm-hmm. women. Yeah. So I think the test is there has to be more than one named female character like a female character whose name the audience knows. Yep. And those two characters have to talk to each other, and they have to talk to each other about something that isn't a man. Oh, interesting. And it's, like, crazy how many, how few movies pass the test. So it's like a pass or fail? It's not like an A to F? Yeah, pass or fail. Wow. That's that's pretty impressive. That's, That's a cool test. I'm not sure if this one would pass that one. You know, that's a good question. I'm not sure if it would either, because there's definitely women who talk to each other, but it seems to be mostly based on, like, love and relationships and men. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, uh... And, oh, go ahead. And that's interesting about this movie, because it's kind of like a like a conversation about feminism more than it is a statement. Like, mm-hmm. there's kind of conflicting views presented. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, for, to a certain extent, it it kind of embraces the stereotype out there about, like, women. Um, and, and, like, I feel like she's playing up, like, the, the gender stereotype in, in her role, like, for, like, a lot of the early part of the movie. But then you're, you're right, like, I mean, the way she's saying it and the context of it starts to make it, make you as a viewer kind of question it. And it does open up a conversation um, on those topics. Yeah, and she has... The main character Elaine, her like closest friend in the movie named Trish, is kind of the opposite of her. And mm-hmm. at one point, she tells her she sounds like she's been brainwashed by the patriarchy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so it's kind of interesting. I think in the commentary, Anna Biller basically said like this is kind of about women feeling like they have to aim for a certain concept of femininity. Femininity. Yeah. And just like. The conflicts of trying to shoot for that even though you don't really want to or like is it okay to embrace that mm-hmm. you know and yeah I, I feel very unqualified talking about this but <laughs> two dudes <laughs> two dudes talking about this yeah yeah <laughs> kind of walking into this one uh no but yeah. I, I i agree like I, I don't feel like there was like a strong viewpoint more just like uh, let's take the extreme example of people who represent or like uh, tied to these like ideals that we take for uh, granted in society or like that have been kind of brainwashed into society and it's, it's, it's a cool way of uh like yeah putting those two characters together and having them talk about that yeah for sure yeah yeah and i think she chose witches because she kind of felt like they were symbolic of women in general like people fear witches mm-hmm. and she kind of theorizes that men fear women just because of like their sexuality yeah. and kind of their intuition and some of their innate abilities as mm-hmm. mothers. Um, those are 
Wikipedia's words, not mine. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was really interesting because we've seen uh, you know movies about witches, and they never dive into like that aspect of it. That you know, the witch is all about you know, uh, 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 you know, being a woman back in that time. Um, the power of like sexuality in, in these women, um, and and this is just kind of a whole like kind of ref- refreshing way to look at what a witch kind of embodies and the and the power and how it's like represented in a person. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was super interesting. Yeah. Um, moving away from feminism before we. <laughs> I'm like actually sweating, and I think it's just because it's hot. Okay, <laughs> it's, um, it's not the topic at hand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Anna Biller. I don't know if you noticed this in the credits. This is everything. All the credits to her name on this movie: writer, director, mm. producer, composer, editor, production designer, art director, set designer, set decorator, and costume designer. Oh my god! It's like a one-man show, basically, or one-woman show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it sounds like this was just, like, her baby through and through. Like, she worked for years on it. It says she worked for, like, a year on the clothes in the medieval scene. Mm-hmm. Wow. And she worked for a few years on some of the other sets and costumes. Yeah. There's a scene where Elaine's, like, laying on a pentagram rug. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that scene. Yeah, yeah, no, I remember that one. She made the rug. Oh, my like, God. It just sounds like there was a whole lot of, like, hustle and passion behind this movie. Yeah, yeah. Wow. A lot of uh, homemade arts going on there. That's, that's that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, what What's her deal? So she's done, like, one movie before this? She'd only done one movie before this. Was it before this or after this? Um, uh, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember either. Uh, I think it was called Viva. Mm-hmm. about like a suburban housewife in the sexual revolution in okay. the 60s. Yeah, okay. So again, she's she loves that classic Hollywood feel, and that's what she goes for in her movies. Yeah, that's pretty cool, and, and strong like female characters, I guess. Yeah. Yep. She says she's serious about bringing female glamour back to the big screen. Wow, this definitely had a lot of female glamour. I'll give her that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and apparently a lot about the way they shot movies back then focused more on the glamour of the actors. Oh, yeah, sure, like um, like all the makeup and and the the way they're stylized and the wardrobe and everything. Yeah, and the way they're lit yeah. is like they're lit to be as flattering to, as possible. Yeah, that part was really interesting because like the movie takes place in in modern day, and like a, you know you'd see things like like a new BMW or like a cell phone. But then, like everyone's outfits and and their makeup and everything, like and, and the hairstyles all look like they're straight out of like the sixties, seventies. It's an interesting contrast. Yeah, like I thought this was taking place in the sixties for yeah. most of the movie until I saw, I thought I saw some modern cars. Yeah, I know. and I was like, huh, maybe that was a mistake. And then when the cell phone came out, I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a really interesting way to combine those two time periods. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I was like constantly looking in the background too, trying to see like what's, where are they? Like what's going on? When is this? Yeah. Uh, and this was shot on actual film too. Oh wow, cool. There was a really interesting part of the extra, the DVD extras where the cinematographer was talking about how he like tried to do this movie exactly as it would have been done in the '60s. Like had he didn't use any modern sensibilities or technologies. Mm-hmm. So I won't go into all the details of that, but it was really interesting to me. Yeah. I feel like you can kind of uh, sense that. Did they do that with the sound as well? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it felt very uh, analogy. But um, yeah, I, th- I think the footage, the sound, it, yeah, it definitely felt like uh, it, w- it wasn't shot in a typical um, digital camera or anything. Yeah. Yeah, um, it was awesome. And uh, that aspect of it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that is really cool. Yeah, actually, just to see it from that like filmography side is pretty great. Yeah. Uh, and she's not she's not actually in the movie, right? Anna Biller. Mm-hmm. She's not. She's an actress in her other movie in Viva. Okay. But not in this one. Yeah, no, that's surprising. That she wouldn't. Uh, yeah. Act in it. Did you read? Uh, there's something. I, I, this felt like kind of recent. Um, but apparently, like she was saying, like a lot of the cast didn't even watch the film, or like didn't like to even shoot the film or something. Yeah, I noticed something on Wikipedia about how she tweeted that the crew was like hostile to the film. Yeah, like trying to sabotage like, it. Yeah, like didn't agree with its message, kind of, or mm-hmm. which is crazy to me. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how true that is. I know, I know. Like things like they they would lie about like a location being open or not, uh, or like not having the rights to shoot somewhere or something. Um, so I, I think she felt like you know she wasn't really supported well throughout this movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's unfortunate if it's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It I sounds guess. so like unbelievable to me that someone would be that unprofessional, but I, I guess I can believe it. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Fun fact, not to jump topic, this was produced by this production company called Oscilloscope. Right. I Did you realize this was founded by MCA from the Beastie Boys and one other dude? Oh, the production company is? Yeah. Wow, no, I had no idea. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, So, and then the other dude is David Finkel, and he would later go on to co-found A24. Oh wow! Oh my God. Um, where yeah. where else have we seen oscilloscope? Because uh, that that looked really familiar. It did look familiar. I scrolled through some of their movies, but I couldn't see anything that rang a bell to me as something that we had seen. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking at the list right now. I, I yeah, I don't don't recognize anything there. But um, they don't like they, their thing isn't like old style footage, is it? I don't think so. Okay, that's just a uh, random. Okay. But I think some of their movies have a more indie feel. Yeah. Wow, cool. It's a Beastie Boys connection. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, did you recognize anyone in this? I did not. They're, most of the actors are not big names. The main actress, Samantha Robinson, she's not in much at all. Yeah, I couldn't find anything about her. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, really, really cool. Um, yeah, those, I, I thought, like, I thought her, she looked really familiar, but, yeah, I, I can, I guess she's been in, like, a soap opera or something, but that's about it. Yeah, and one of the dudes is definitely in some soap operas. I think he's the most recognizable of all of them, but. Okay. Um, I, I did not recognize him. Yeah. Did parts of this ever feel like a soap opera to you? Yeah. I mean, it was very heavy on the drama and the romance. hmm Like, it was, I, you could say it was a bit dull sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's just so much like this this one girl just trying to find love. Uh, and I, I think it was the, the horrors like weren't like uh, there weren't too many of those, and it's a kind of a longer movie. So yeah, I definitely felt like a little bit of a soap opera 
uh, influence a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Anything else before we get moving on to the plot here? Um, no, no, I, that, that, that's all I got. Cool. Well, if any listeners want to find out more about witchcraft, they should visit the Buckland Museum of Witchcraft and Magic in the Tremont neighborhood of Cleveland, Ohio. What? In, in Tremont? Yeah, we should go there sometime. Yeah, I used to live in Tremont. I don't remember any uh, witch uh, place out there. It is pretty new. Okay. I think it was just open in like 2016 or 2017. Ah, okay. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and they, uh, what, what do they have there? Um, just like little artifacts and items of witchcraftery. I think this dude, Buckland was a dude who was like one of the most famous practitioners of Wicca, I guess that might be what you call mm-hmm. the like religion of witchcraft. I don't know. Yeah. But it's all basically stuff that was in his possession, I think for the most part. Wow. Cool. So they've turned it into like yeah. a little bit of a museum. Yep. Yeah. You know, on that topic, that was one of the other things from this movie. Uh, witchcraft doesn't look too bad. It looks kind of fun. Uh, it sounds like you, <laughs> make, you make some like cool friends. You do some like outdoor activities. Um, you go to parties. Probably see some naked people. Yeah, you get to see a bunch of naked people. Um, you get to mess around with like chemistry sets. I I don't know. Um, you think witches are still around today? Oh yeah, for sure. That one hundred percent are. Yeah. Would you ever be a witch? Like, uh, hmm. I could see myself dabbling. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to explore a little bit. <laughs> Maybe like when like kids are off in college and I don't really have much <laughs> else going on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to retire into witchdom. Yeah, it definitely attracts a type <laughs> people, people who are looking for a way to spend the later years of their life. <laughs> now I'm picturing myself as one of those like old naked people in the climax of yeah, hereditary. I know, that's exactly what I was thinking yeah. <laughs> this suddenly makes so much sense. Just um, me and you high fiving in the background. Yeah. While some kids like freaking out. <laughs> that's <something>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like us. Yeah. I you know what? I think I just made my retirement goal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who needs a 401k? We can, we got we got our dreams. Yeah. Um actually I should mention Anna Biller practiced witchcraft for a couple of years before this movie. Wow. So I think just to get in the mindset for this movie, from what I could tell. Wow, that's man, she went all out on this. <laughs> I mean, this is her baby through and through. She is yeah. committed. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, yeah, so it's, it's really cool. It's not something you have to be born into. You can convert uh, to uh, witchcraftery at any point in your life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you a pamphlet if you want to know more about it. Cool. All right, thanks, man. I was looking cool. out. <laughs> All right, well, I have to take a quick break. I'm a little parched, and my wife just made what looks like some sort of tea drink. It's got some sort of strange, elongated tea bag and some herbs in it. So I'm going to gulp this down real quick, and then I'll be right back. All right. Okay, I'm back. That was not the tastiest tea I've ever had. <laughs> what uh, what color was it? <laughs> it's like a yellowish red. A yellowish red. Oh god. Oh man, are you seeing a lot of like rainbows or anything? <laughs> um, 
So I often tend to watch horror movies on my computer on the couch while my wife's like reading or something. Mm-hmm. And she seems to like always look over at the most inopportune <laughs> scene. There's so many of those this time, aren't there? Yeah. Yeah. So she like glanced over as Elaine was peeing into a jar. Yeah. Making a witch bottle, which is urine, a used tampon, and some herbs. Yeah. I think next time we see each other, we should trade witch bottles. Yeah. <laughs> see what happens. That's our first step. Yeah. <laughs> um, so those things are real, witch bottles, and urine is a real ingredient sometimes. Wow. Uh, well, you know, urine actually has a lot of health benefits, I'm told. Yeah? I'm not. I, that's all I've heard. I haven't heard the rest of it, but yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm glad I drank that tea. Yeah. I think you'll feel a lot better later. <laughs> All right, we'll run through the plot really quickly here. Uh, it starts with Elaine driving somewhere to start a new life. You hear her inner monologue, and there's a flashback implying that she's killed her husband. You see him, like, pass out on a carpet, <laughs> on a very 60s carpet. And this shot is like old films where it's rear project- projection, so you can plainly see that she's in a car and there's just a big projection of a moving image behind her yeah scenery moving yeah yeah yeah, like the scenery is not real Mm -hmm. um so right off the bat you're like oh okay they're going for this classic hollywood style yeah and and it kind of feels like you're in the 60s like at that point right yeah i mean if you didn't know anything about this movie i'm sure truly discerning film fans would know but if you sat down the average person and just said, hey, we're going to watch this movie, I think they would very much assume this was a 60s movie until they saw the cell phone. Yeah, especially if you didn't, like, would, say it came out in 2016 or something. Yeah, yeah, if you didn't tell them anything about the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And you don't see the cell phone until, like, an hour and a half in. So. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, in her inner monologue, she mentions therapy and how she's been abused in the past. And so she's starting this new life. She moves into this apartment. She um, meets a neighbor named Trish, who she befriends. And as we mentioned, Trish is kind of like the counterpoint to her. Like, Elaine is very glamorous, and she explains her theory to Trish that, like, you have to spoil your man and give them what they want. And that's the part where Trish says it sounds like she's been brainwashed by the patriarchy. Uh, kind of in a friendly way. Like, they're definitely friends. They're just very opposite. Yeah. Uh, but they both kind of, even Trish has like a very 60s look to her. Yeah, yeah. And then they go to a tea room together that is very 60s. Yeah, this tea room made no sense to me. It's an all-women's tea room uh, where there's like a woman on the harp um, and they're eating like tea and cake and people are like dressed pretty, uh, uh, you know, well. They, they Like a very Victorian era the tea room. They don't have those kind of things around anymore, do they? I doubt it. Um, So then later, Elaine performs a spell to essentially to find a new man, her new love. And she meets this college professor, uh, and she asks him, like, right off the bat if if he will take her to his vacation home that he has described to her. So they go there. She drugs him with some sort of love potion, and they have sex, and then after they have sex, he's, like, super clingy and emotional, which I'm pretty sure was a result of the potion she gave him. Mm, interesting. Because he was, like, 
seeing rainbows like you implied earlier and he was tripping out big time yeah when you say potion i mean i i kind of took it to be like shrooms or something or like some kind of uh drugs i i don't, I don't know if there's anything magical about it was there you know that's a good question i'm not sure if it was it may have just been a drug yeah that's that's kind of the yeah i g- think it was just a drug yeah that's kind of like the, the 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 line in this movie um like you never actually know like is she like a real witch or is this like kind of just uh you know the 60s or whatever well it wasn't the 60s but um you know just uh you know she 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 went home with a guy uh she went back to his place uh you know gave him a drink and and some steak and you know he uh, had a good time and i, I don't know like, i, I kind of got the sense that maybe it was like acid or something yeah, I mean, there is very little supernaturalness in this movie. Yeah. Um, except many of the men do seem to be, like, under her spell. Yeah, which... In such an exaggerated way that it feels like they would have had something done to them. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I, I think so. part of the, the, the point here was, like, um, yeah, was there, like, some supernatural spell on them? Or is this a commentary on how men get after sex or how men perceive women to become... Cause he was like making a comment like, "Oh, every time, you know, I end up sleeping with a girl, she just like wants things from me." And then you see him like take that role on, and I wonder. I I kind of thought like, "Oh, are they kind of like doing a role reversal like thing here, like playing on the stereotypes for a different gender?" But I don't know. Yeah, good point. They may have been. Yeah. Um, so he's super emotional and clingy. Then the next morning, she makes him breakfast, comes in, and he's dead. So. I kind of got the impression that she overdosed him on whatever she gave him because she cried when he died. I don't think that was her intention. Mm-hmm. So that's when she makes this witch bottle with her urine and tampon and some herbs from the yard, and she buries him in the yard of this vacation house with the witch bottle, and the witch bottle is intended to like ward off evil spirits. Oh, is that what it's for? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Interesting. Okay. Um... So she then moves in on Trish's husband while Trish is out of town. She drugs him, sleeps with him, and then he's super obsessed with her, and she just gets turned off by how obsessed he is. So Mm -hmm. she dumps him, and then he eventually, Trish finds, he's like despondent and not really talking to Trish, and then she finds him in the bathtub, and he's killed himself. Just essentially over Elaine, because he loves her so much, and she's not returning the love yeah he got super depressed yeah and then meanwhile you've got the side plot of this cop griff who's trying to track down whoever has killed this professor because he's been found mm-hmm. um and the trail leads him to elaine and he ends up falling in love with elaine and i think through the assistance of no apparent spell really right uh yeah, in terms of how he found her. In oh, terms oh. of him falling in love with her, I oh, think it's yeah. kind of a genuine love. Yeah, yeah. I don't. You you don't see her like doing anything, uh, any funny business there. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah, genuine love. Yeah, and he she's in love with him, so they're both in love, and you get a lot of scenes with them, like going on a date. They stumble upon this Renaissance fair type thing that. <laughs> That scene lasts a long time. God, there's like a 10-minute scene of them like feeding each other grapes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that dragged a bit. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, also, did you notice, so in that driving scene at the very beginning with the rear projection, she's pulled over. Mm-hmm. And I did not realize until I went back and watched the commentary that the cop that pulled her over is Griff. Yeah, yeah. No, I realized that. Um, uh, I, I made the mistake of thinking that Griff was uh, uh, Trisha's husband. I thought those two were the same guys. They kind of looked alike. Yeah, she definitely had a type. But yeah, because cause then at, at some point um, she's like, "Oh, you look so familiar. Like we must have met before." And uh, and yeah, obviously it was it was that beginning part where he pulls her over. But they, I don't think they connected the dots there. Yeah, that flew right by me. Yeah. I didn't connect them either. Ah, I was in love. Yeah, when you're in love, man, these things just <laughs> seem like the universe is aligned and it was meant to be. <laughs> I was, I was a sixty-year-old man naked outside of a house holding Ashwin's <laughs> hand, and I was in love. Yeah, <laughs> knew it was meant to be. <laughs> uh, okay, so eventually Trish discovers Elaine's like shrine to her dead lovers in Elaine's bedroom, and she sees that her husband is among the pictures of these men. And they get in this fight over it, and I think she ends up going to Griff and giving him some of this info. And so Griff and Elaine have a confrontation where he's like, we've got DNA tying you to the professor's death, like, got evidence about this other dude, and it's pretty clear that he's fallen out of love with her. Mm-hmm. And then the climax is they're back in her bedroom, and he's laying in her bed, and I don't know if he intends to turn her in or what, but she walks over to him and just stabs him with a knife many times in the like chest and stomach. Yeah, I didn't see that coming at all. Yeah, I didn't either. And then he's dead and the movie's over. <laughs> yeah, with some like slow motion. Uh, the last thing like she's kind of imagining is like them like kind of talking and him telling her how much he loves her. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I think that she was just like so hurt that he didn't love her back, and that's why she killed him. And partially, mm-hmm. probably to protect herself too from him turning her in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, she just killed a cop, and like the blood's gonna be all over her. And people saw them leave together. So I don't, I don't know how careful of a killer she was. No, she was super reckless in everything she did. She was just kind of like a desperate, unhinged. Yeah, yeah. Person. Right. Without being like over the top crazy. Exactly. But it was clear through like Just, all of her actions that, yeah. and her opinions that she was. Yeah, something was off. Yeah. Um, so the way you just described it, it did sound very much like a soap opera. Like, girl falls in love with a guy, guy dies, falls in love with another guy. It's a boyfriend of a friend. Uh, that guy gets depressed and kills himself. Uh, cop, like, doesn't like, love her anymore, but then she kills him. Does that sound kind of soap opera? Yeah, yeah, I can see that now. <laughs> and yeah. Anna Biller said she kind of intended it to be a tragedy. Oh, interesting. I could see that. Like all the things Elaine is doing for love and how it just ends up in horror and despair. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, there's, throughout the movie, I think there's like a good amount of backstory on her. Like she used to be in a relationship. The relationship ended. She came down to San Francisco and joined like a, a coven or something, right? yeah and then uh did burlesque for a while and then went back and you know her husband died of a drug overdose uh, etc so i I, yeah and i 
I think that there was actually a lot, we didn't mention these, but there were a lot of scenes with like the coven and witches performing certain rituals. Yeah. Just kind of intermixed with the plot. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was a cool backdrop. I, I think like what was most interesting is in, in that um, scene right before she kills the cop at the end, they're sitting at a bar and the cop's basically like calling her out being like, you, uh, you know, you've, 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 you, you drove that, you drove that one guy to depression. We have your DNA at this crime site. And she's being like, you know, she didn't actually do anything. Just these guys all became like crazy about her and ended up like killing themselves. Like that first guy had a heart attack, which I think the autopsy came back and showed that he actually did have a heart attack. Um, and like the, the second guy was just was really depressed and, and killed himself. So it kind of brought into question the whole thing of like, you know, was she like a bad person uh, or like an evil presence or whatever? Or was it just like the, you know, the, the thinking like everyone wanted to point their finger at her and be like, oh, all these people killing themselves uh, or dying was your fault. What was, what was your take yeah, on that? Was it just bad luck? Yeah. Bad, bad luck. I kind of yeah. thought she was like being reckless with spells and potions and that was the cause of things. So you believe in spells and potions? I, I believe, I believed in this movie that the potions had power, <laughs> and her spells had power. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe in potions in real life. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad glad you put that disclaimer out there. <laughs> I I don't know. Like I, I think that in favoring this movie kind of uh, delegitimized a lot of uh, the the thinking behind witches because, like even the the group that she was with that group of witches, um, one day they're witches, the next day they're running a Renaissance festival. So it kind of like made them all kind of look like clowns that were just doing whatever they felt like doing that day. And to, to me, it kind of took the power away from like the mysticness of or the, any kind of magic that was happening uh, and, and made it just about like these people who are just part of a cult. Yeah, there wasn't really any like blatant, this is what witches can do. And like yeah. this supernatural thing happened because of the witches. And the witches weren't scary at all. No. The whole movie was a little bit campy, and I don't even know if it was intending to be. I mean, I'm sure she was aware of the campiness because she was sticking so much to the way it would have been done in the 60s, -hmm. which would have inevitably probably been a little bit campy. Yep. Just due to the subject matter. Um, So, yeah. I don't know. It was just like a very weird... It's not the tone you're expecting, especially if you see this movie labeled as a horror comedy before you see it. Yeah. Because it's really not horror. <laughs> or a comedy. I mean, it, yeah. It, <laughs> neither one of those is really in this movie very much. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That... So, yeah. It's an interesting movie. It's it's really its own thing. And, like, yeah. you can't expect, like, a filmmaker to be like, I'm going to make a movie and it's going to be this genre. Like, they just sure. make the movie they want to make and then we try to slap a genre on it after the fact so yeah it's kind of unfair to box it in yeah i would, I would put this more like in the art house uh genre probably which is kind of yeah a movie on its own that kind of carves out its own path and has elements of uh, a lot of things mostly soap opera but yeah other things in there yeah and and drama and i can see tragedy um but yeah, yeah. I, i'm just I, after watching i'm just not convinced she was actually a witch i, I just think she was uh, a careless kind of lover who when someone fell in love with her she would kind of abandon them, and then they would just uh, die out of desperation. But I don't know. That, that was kind of my take on it. And, and I feel like that's what the cop was calling her out on at the end. Um, yeah, that's an interesting take. I like that. 
Yeah. Um, so what did you think, like, of the movie and of your viewing experience? Did you enjoy yourself? <laughs> I kind of hated myself, John. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. It was, it, was a, it was a tough watch. It was pretty long, really slow, and uh, to your earlier point, not a lot of horror or comedy. Um, but it was definitely interesting, and I feel like if I was more awake, like, I would have been like, oh, this is, you know, making some really interesting points. Um, but otherwise, it was kind of a, a hard watch and just kind of slow to sit through and, um, you know, be engaged the whole time. Did, did you have that feeling? I, similar, like, I liked it, but I think the things I liked about it were the aesthetics. Like, yeah, the, it was super well done, like, technically amazing. Yeah. But... And just, like, the commitment to that style and the aesthetics was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story dragged, the scenes were too long, and the movie was two hours, and it, it really didn't need to be. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and I I don't think you really cared that much what happened. Like, <laughs> I didn't find myself rooting for her or, like, wanting her to meet her downfall. Yeah. Um, it was just... It was just kind of like almost a passive watch. Like, yeah, you're more focused on the style than the story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was more focused on the atmosphere. Um, yeah. And like the whole time, I was just like, when is something going to happen or what's going to happen? Uh, but not a lot. It was happened. largely pretty uneventful. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. Let me ask you something. I I don't I couldn't tell if this was part of the style or if this was just a, a miss on the movie's part. But I thought the acting was very stiff, and at times it almost felt like a very like shoddy, like uh, like a soft core porn film almost. Did you get that feeling? <laughs> and do you think that was intentional? Yeah, and that was deliberate. Like they were going for that. You sure? I think it was, I saw it called a presentational style. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like I think the prime example of that is the woman who worked in the little like herb store. Oh, the, yeah. It was essentially the witch store. Yeah. She was like very stiff, and in the commentary, Annabella was like, "I just love the way she did this. Like, I wish we could have had her on the screen more." Oh, no kidding! So that's so, like that's that's a definitely thing. what they were going for. It was like a stylized wow. thing to mimic the way this kind of make it feel like a B horror movie from the '60s. Yeah, yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah. So they were acting as bad actors. Yeah, yeah, in a way. Mm, that's pretty cool. Yeah, very stiff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and the music you said was all done by Ann Biller? As far as I could tell, like in those little, like the songs they did at the Renaissance yeah. fair thing and, um, and the, the harp. song the woman played on the harp in the tea room, that was Anna Biller who composed those songs. And, and it was just funny like how uh, obvious it was that no one was actually playing those instruments. Like the, it was almost like they went out of the way to show like how fake the music was. <laughs> yeah, that might have been a similar thing to the like presentational style of acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Or in the original cut, the uh, in a deleted scene, they listened to that entire song on the harp in the tea room. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> so it's like that much longer. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think, man? Zero to five witch bottles. What would you give this? Oh man, um, I think. Uh, you know, as artsy and as, like, interesting it was and great for dialogue and brought up, like, a lot of great questions, uh, it was just kind of a hard film to watch and, and uh, kind of slow and boring. So I, I might give it, like, one and a half. Yeah. Okay. I had a feeling 
that's around where you would be. <laughs> you know me too well. What, what about I think this you? This is like a Tusk reversal. I give it three just because I really did enjoy. Like I liked looking at it more than I liked watching it. If yeah. that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then just like had a big bowl of popcorn and. It, it was it was interesting, but yeah, the movie itself, the storyline, I was not engaged. For sure, yeah. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. Visually very appealing. Uh, they, they did, yeah. yeah, the amount of effort they put into that, 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 that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, like, I can't not applaud, like, the cinematographer and Anna Biller and, like, how hard she worked and how many things she did. And, like, I think she nailed it. I think she did exactly what she wanted to do. Like, yeah. she made it exactly the way she wanted it to be yeah but for me personally it wasn't engaging yeah exactly all the time yeah i imagine if this was a different club we would give this a much higher score yeah and i mean critics love it i think somebody who's super into film and the way films are made this is like a dream come true for them mm-hmm. and and was this like a commercial success like was it considered a low budget film and i think it made like 200 some thousand right yeah, it only made like two hundred thousand. I gotta believe that the budget was higher than that, just because the intricacy of the sets and the costumes. I know she did it all herself, so I'm sure she saved money that way. But mm-hmm. and like film isn't cheap. I'm sure it wasn't cheap to use technology that was, even though it was highly used in the '60s. I'm sure it sounded like from the commentary that it was hard to get their hands on a lot of the stuff needed. Oh yeah, to make a movie this way. Yeah. in 2016. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't think there's a budget number publicized, but I I'm tempted to think it was a bit higher. Sure. This is a movie I could see doing better after the theater too. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it's got a bit of a cult following, so I'm sure yeah. it'll, it'll do yeah. well. Yeah. All right, man. Anything else? No, no. Thanks for uh, picking this one. I, I, I was surprised I hadn't heard about it. Uh, I'm glad we saw it. Yeah, worth watching, even if it's a bit underwhelming in some respects. Yeah, totally. Cool. All right, listeners. Well, that's all for this episode, and we hope you enjoyed enjoyed today's discussion about The Love Witch. And if you want to join the discussion, we encourage you to follow Horror Movie Club Podcast on Facebook. Or on Twitter, we're at Horror Movie Pod on Twitter. You can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com and check Facebook or Twitter for what we're going to do next week. Our logo is done by Amy May Popart, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you accidentally murder somebody, uh, maybe don't bury them on their own property with a bottle of your own urine and blood right next to the body. <laughs> That's uh, just manslaughter 101. Yeah. Uh-huh.